Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring Kane Gang. I'm hurt, dog. Don't ask me if I'm all right. Hell no. Joaquin said dominate, and we not doing it. I put my heart in this dog. Let's go, man. Let's go. Kane Gang. Kane Gang. Kane Gang. You're listening to Kane Gang, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Orange and green, that's Kane Gang. You ready to storm 18? That's Kane Gang. Kane Gang. Good morning, good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Kane Gang Radio Show here on Sirius XM Channel 145, only on Slam Radio. We appreciate you guys taking your time, tuning in, listening. We're going to chop it up a lot tonight. We're going to talk about different things. Uh, I'm supposed to have a guest on shortly, you know, uh, Lord willing, that still comes to fruition. Um, if not, it's me and my boy Vic. You know, we're going to hold it down. Dirty Bird's on a hiatus. I'm not sure where he's at. Um, but listen, as they all say in the industry, the show must go on. Vic, what's going on, brother, man? How's it going, man? What's up? What's up? Another day in paradise. So listen, before we get into any of the, you know, cane talk and again, uh, and I know you probably feel the same way, um, but I'm tired of doing the same old thing when something tragic happens in our country as far as, you know, what happened over there in Texas. Um, obviously, I live in Parkland, so I'm, I'm, I'm very, you know, close to the situation that happened here in 2018, you know, with the Parkland massacre. And then, you know, here it is, you know, 11, 12 days later from the Buffalo shooting, and now we have another shooting, another senseless shooting. Um, that happened and, and not to take nothing away, but these are innocent children. Like, what did they do? They did nothing. They did nothing to deserve this. They went to school, you, you know, earlier in the day, they were given like honor roll certificates and awards. And I mean, and, and take the political parties aside, right? Republican Democrats, obviously you have Democrats that are super pushing for gun laws. I, I'm, I'm all about the gun laws. And I, and I think there should be laws, you know, an 18-year-old kid can walk into a gun store in Texas and buy assault rifles, but yet they can't go buy a beer. Like, like, don't isn't there a problem with that? Do we see a problem? Like, you can't go buy a beer, but you can go buy an assault rifle. It just it doesn't make sense to me, Vic. It doesn't, Agreed. and this is senseless. And, <clears throat> and, and, and again, everybody, you know, you look at Steve Kerr, and you know, you look at all, you look at all the other people that are voicing their, you know, their concerns about it. They're going to put a Band-Aid on this. And I hate to say this in a negative way, but they're going to put a Band-Aid on this. Nothing's going to change because you're going to have the people. And again, I'm a Republican. I don't necessarily agree with all the Republican views or the Republican, you know, Republican constituents and all the other stuff that's going on. But at the same time, people's pockets are getting fatter, but we're losing lives. I don't I, I don't I, I can't justify that. I don't agree with that. I think a lot that we're kind of missing the point on basically is that we kind of end up having to revert back. To the home okay because in essence basically obviously with this young man that ended up committing you know this, this terrible act you know there basically you only ended up having a grandmother that was that was basically bringing him up yeah. okay so there's a lot of issues that were going on within his home basically and i'm a really big believer in the specs that again bad enough in the sense that again like you just said there seems to be some type of a problem where as an 18 year old you can go in and purchase a gun but you can't end up purchasing alcohol, basically. Okay, <laughs> you know. Now I, I keep going back to the same situation that is that if even with stable homes, basically you have a better than average chance. And don't get me wrong. I mean, again, we look at in past history, basically 
some of the atrocities that have taken place basically with either you know a mass killing or individual assassination so forth and so on basically okay you've had some of the most intelligent people okay around that end up having that mind involved themselves that they know exactly what they're doing okay and they go straight in and they kill okay you know i i just feel basically in all of this <clears throat> there has to be something that gets done. I mean, again, I loved what Steve Kerr did the other day because, look, at that point in time, it's not know, about basketball. It's, it's not correct. About that. Correct. It wasn't about basketball at night. It wasn't about and, basketball. And I know, just, and I and I know they had to play the game. I, I know they had to play the game. But you're in Dallas, like you're literally not. Uh, I mean, Texas is a big state. Don't get me wrong, but why not call the game off? Why not show that type of solitude and that type of support? And say, you know what? We're not going to play the game tonight. Correct. What we're going to do is we're going to take the, the monetary value of what we would have recouped <clears> and maybe we send that to the families. Correct. Not that that's going to bring those kids back or, the, or those you know parents back, but you know the people who lost their lives. But why don't we do something like that? We want to send $40 billion to Ukraine to help other people out, and yet we can't even do anything for our own country. I let me tell you something. One thing, and I can't recall this was George Washington or Thomas Jefferson that said it basically. They had basically advised at that point in time that we needed to stay out of the foreign affairs of other foreign countries, basically. To me, and it's it's let's be realistic, in this in this day and age, it's an impossibility because we're all interdependent, basically. We depend on each other for one thing and the other. Now, I'm of the perspective that look. We need to take care of our own backyard first, okay, before we stretch out outward, basically. You well, know, and that starts with our vets, too, right? But that starts with our veterans. Correct. Take care of our veterans who served our country, who fought for our country, who are, even if you want to go back to the Vietnam, you know, vets, who were just, like, like blasted because, you know, when they came back, like, oh, you shouldn't have been there. You guys are murdered. Like, they were doing what they were told by our government. Correct. Correct. Like, take care of our own, you know. The housing market here in, in the United States is, is atrocious. The rates are atrocious. The rental rates are atrocious. The housing market's atrocious. How about taking some of that $40 billion that you're sending to a, you know, a different country and say, we're going to try to help the American people out. Correct. You know, whether or not, listen, you got families that are losing homes <clears throat> because they can't afford it because the government through a pandemic says, oh, well, let's just lower the interest rate to under 2%. So what happens in the state of Florida where you have no state income tax? You bring everybody from up north, from California, Connecticut, New York, all these other areas, and they come down here and gobble up all the properties, and then it becomes a, a feeding frenzy. It's a bidding war. So right. now what happens is you escalate the price of the homes, and your working-class people cannot afford to live in, in, in the area that they're accustomed to living in. Like That's the problem with our government. Like At the end of the day, their pockets are still getting fat. They have residual income for the rest of their lives because they're in Congress, Senate, presidential, vice presidential, whatever the case may be. They don't have to worry about anything. It's us working class I, people. <laughs> I, I, let me tell you something. I think we as individual citizens have much more power within our hands more than we imagine, basically, to be honest. But yet we choose okay. not to do anything with it. Correct. correct. We choose then, not to do anything with that. Correct. That, that's why I'm of the perspective, look, <clears throat> you have the power to go out and vote and make a difference. I know that it sounds like corny that you basically see in posters, social media, so forth and so on, basically. But again, the individual power is within us to make that change. Okay. How, how do we how do we change? How do we change what happened a few days ago in Texas? Again, so he, here's my here's my thing, Vic. 
if you have, uh, according to senators, there's, or even Steve Kerr, you have 50 Republicans that are refusing to make the decision to push for stricter gun laws, red flag laws, you know, background checks, things like that. Well, you just said it, right? The American people need to not vote for them to be reelected. They need to vote for somebody who says, you know what? We are going to try to change this. We are going to push forward. We're all going to move forward because at the end of the day, as a parent, my biggest concern now is sending, you know, Grace into the school or Zayden into school. I, when that happened, I thought of so many friends that I know and so many people that we both know, basically. I mean, I thought about Gray. I thought about, you know, Q with his kids, basically. You know, so many of our people, basically, that we end up knowing, okay, from our from our common circle as far as what UM that, that have kids that go to school, basically. And it's like, you know... And I'm, let me tell you something. One thing <clears throat> that I ended up saying to some of my students in the last couple of days, I'm like, look, guys, just, in, I mean, it was, it was corny. I said, keep the faith. But at the same time, and it's like, I remember talking to one of their parents, and it's like, I actually hugged him so hard today that I almost broke his back. Okay. And let me tell you something. When you're a parent, I mean, look, I've got my kids, and I'm like a parent to a certain degree, but it's a big difference when you're there as the actual parent day in and day out, basically that look, that fear has to be there with you. It has to, you know, know, when I was in school, I don't remember doing anything like taking shelter or doing these drills that our kids are doing now to protect themselves. We did fire drills. You know, sometimes we set off to fire drills just so we can get out of class you know, we would run around and pull the pool stations and, hey, it's time to go out on, on a basketball court. You know, let's do our drill. No, it's true. It's true. But like, like Now you're, you're basically learning to end up ducking, okay, or to end up basically cowering under a desk, basically. Or, you know, no joke. That's – No. Like, what are we <clears> why, – <throat> why are we teaching this? And I understand why we have to, but there's got to be a better way. You know, I saw something the other day, um, and I've said this before too, and I'm not the first one to say this, but again, you're taking that $40 billion to Ukraine where you have retired veterans that probably are sitting at home collecting disability, social security. You know, why don't you say, hey, look, would you be willing to go sit, you know, in front of a school? Like, but that's a sad thing that you have to do that and put somebody at a school or in the front of the school to deter somebody from coming into shooting it up. But if it's going to save somebody, why not take that opportunity? Why not take that chance? I agree. I just (sighs) feel we don't – There's. let me tell you something. One thing I mentioned to some students and their parents as well too is like social media in itself basically has further heightened, okay, these types of issues to be very honest with you. You know, because when you have social media that serves as an outlet for these guys to end up expressing their views, that they can post pictures, okay, of being guns and whatnot, basically, yo, that's an instant red flag. Okay. So two things. It's not just social media. Let's look at the video games, that the the contents that are being put out, whether it's go back to Call of Duty, Grand Theft Auto, Apex, Modern Warfare, you know, and 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 I'll, I'll, I'm gonna preface this by saying I'm guilty. Like I play Fortnite, right? I play I play with my kids, right? But at the same time, what are we doing? We're 
we're training our brains to go out there and, and kill, you know, because it's a, it's fun. It's a game, blah, blah, blah. Well, some kids take that to a whole different level. Maybe that's all they're playing. That's all they're seeing. That's all they're doing. That's all they're going to think about. And they think it's, you know, it's, it's not like a game where you can like reset and, and play again. You go out there and you do this in real life. The outcome is different. It changes. You can't bring people back. Like in Fortnite, right? If you're playing in one of the one of the modes, you kind of respawn. You know, you get killed and you know you come you back out of the air. You, you respawn, <clears throat> right? Come on, it's a good example. I think, and I know, and I know Grayson loves uh, Super Mario. Basically, it's it's like yeah. look, you have God knows how many extra lives. I mean, with Mario, basically, it's not like right. you're coming back again. I mean, come on. I mean, yeah. listen. There's only so many times you can get hit by Bowser. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, but and I think that's the problem. But I think that's the problem is. We can't regulate what people are watching on TV. I say we can't, but we could because the content that's being put out on TV could be restricted. The content that we're, you know, our, we're letting our kids play video games, you know, even though it's rated R, you know, because they do label it that way, it doesn't have to be made. Like those are things that, you know, I, I, I go back to an, an illustration where, you know, you get a speeding ticket. Well, why are you speeding? Well, because the car says the car allows me to. You know, if you regulate your speed limit, your speedometer to where you can't go a certain, you know, mile per hour, people wouldn't do it. But if you're, you know, your speed limit is 70, but your car allows you to do a buck 40, aren't you going to push that envelope a little bit and try to go on that buck 40 every now and then? Because you allow that. And that's the problem with, with our society is we allow it. You know, when do we do, when, when do we take a stand and we don't allow that? Like, that's where I'm trying to figure out. And, and it'll probably never change in my lifetime. And I, and I think about here it is. I've, I've been on the earth 48 years and it's not about me. And it's not about, you know, maybe my kids, but maybe what about my grandkids? Like what's going to be, you know, prevalent when they get older and, you know, what is, what is the world going to be like, you know, for them? What will society be like at that time? Basically. I correct. I agree. Because even in my 48 years, Things have completely changed. I mean, like the days of like the cleavers and like they're not there anymore. You know what no. I mean? It's like, no. you know, no. society has completely changed. <clears throat> Correct. The world has completely changed. The things that you would never would have thought of would have been allowable or accepted is just everyday. You it's, know? Mainstream. it's mainstream now, basically. Correct. A absolutely, man. I mean, I don't know. So, listen, you guys are listening to Kang Gang Radio Show. Uh, my man Vic Calero and I are just chopping it up. Again, I did get a text from our guest. He's running a little late, but he will be on. Um, so, again, we got about another minute and a half here on this segment, two minutes on this segment. And, and again, um, my deepest, you know, condolences and my, my, my heart goes out to those families, you know, in Texas. But then it, it, it triggers back to Parkland. It triggers back to Sandy Hook. It triggers back to Columbine. It triggers Columbine. back to yeah. the church, the church shooting in South Carolina. Like Sandy Hook. there's, there's just numerous things that are out there because of this one situation just happened a few days ago. It triggers back old memories, you know, about what about this? What about this? Well, man, we said when this one happened that things were going to change. You know, you look at the subway in New York city last month, you know, a guy walks on the subway and just starts shooting people. Like it's, like it, it's acceptable that that's that's the problem is I, I don't know Vic like I, I try to wrap my mind around it and I try to wrap my brain about it and you know I again I have a pea brain as it is so it's not like it 
it's really big. So I can kind of really think about a lot of things. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So, but when it, because my, I do have a pea brain, you know, and I say a pea brain, but a little small brain, um, like things like this, man, it, it, it hits home and it, and it makes me think about, you know, what could I do? Like, is there anything I can do? Like, you know, I live in the city of Parkland, you know, and, um, you know, I'm right here. I'm literally two minutes from, from Stoneman Douglas high school. And what could I do? What, what can I do to make a difference? Obviously the parents that went through that, they're trying to make a difference, but what can we as, you know, civil, you know, civilized American citizens, what else can we do? You know, you brought up, you know, maybe we vote for someone else who's going to try to change something, but politics, they're going to tell you what they want to tell you. That doesn't mean Correct. they're going to try to do anything about it. Correct. You know, you know, like, and it bothered me the other day. We got 30 seconds and I'll wrap this up on this segment. You know, they had somebody from um, uh, World News was, you know, in like Congress or whatever in the halls. And they were trying to talk to Republican like Congress people as they were walking by. And just the, the, the sure rudeness and the audacity for them not to even have a comment about something like this is what bothers me. How about you, t- you take time and say, you know what? I feel for the families. But no, you literally just ghost like the reporters, like you're too good for this. Like that's what bothers me about our, 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 our society and our government. Anyway, you listen to the Kang Gang Radio Show on Sirius XM Channel 145. We'll be right back. Yo, what's up? Baby, let's go. This is Tua Tungo by Yo, Sway Calloway. This is Spice Adams. This is Michael, the playmaker everywhere. What's up? This is Grok, and you're listening to Slam, Slam Radio. Radio Sirius XM. Yeah. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Good morning, amigo. Hey, man, if, look, if they pick up Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo too, I'll, I'll be fine with him. But I'm just looking I'm, I'm looking at the different angles. It does, you I don't call know. him that. I call him Tunga Vailoa. Whatever you want to call him. Listen, I don't know if they're 100% sold on Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tunga Vailoa is the next quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. How can you get that name so perfect? Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo? Tua? I can't do it. I'm done. Tunga Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tunga Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tunga Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tunga Vailoa. That sounds much better that way. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. We'll be back with Kane Gang on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. I'm Andrew Saul, Commissioner of Social Security. I'm here to warn you about telephone scammers pretending to be government employees. Some of these scammers may say threatening things like you will be arrested if you don't make payments or provide personal information. Do not fall for these tricks. These calls are not from us. Real Social Security employees will never threaten you for information or money. If you receive a call like this, hang up. Never give the caller your personal information like your Social Security number or bank account or send money in any form cash, gift cards, wire transfers, or prepaid debit cards. Report the call to our law enforcement arm, the Office of the Inspector General at oig.ssa.gov. Share this information with your friends and family.
Hola mi gente, ¿qué tal? Les saluda la diva Potra, la caballota, la reina y mi queen. Un saludo a mi gente de Slam Radio. And now we're back with Kane Gang on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Back, second segment, first hour. Um, again, man, I, I just, we keep talking, you know, I keep thinking about it and I don't want to keep talking about it, but um, until something changes, Vic, it's it's going to be in our minds nonstop. So of course. moving forward, moving forward, moving forward, there, there has been some things, you know, Kane's baseball, obviously ACC tournament. I do want to switch gears again. Uh, Condolences go out to the people of, you know, Udala, Texas and, you know, that area over there. But, you know, again, it's called the Kane Gang Radio Show. Uh, we're going to talk about some Kane stuff. Um, our guest is gonna, is a former Kane. We'll, we'll be getting into that. Um, but let's talk about baseball while we're waiting, you know, for our guests. Because, you know, <clears throat> our, season, our season started off really, really, really good. We hit a little lull there, you know, can we kind of dropped a few games that we probably shouldn't have dropped. You know, got uh, you know got hammered by FSU, lost two or three. You know, on like the, the 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 series before the final weekend. You know, had a nice Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Took two or three from I think number fourteenth ranked Notre Dame. Had a lot of like a lot of shots, a lot of home runs. You know, you get the number three seed. You know, up there in Charlotte, the ACC tournament, and all of a sudden, I, I just I don't know. You crap the bed. You know what I mean? And then obviously you you got Wake. You know, which is going to be a a pretty tough game as well. Correct, I um, agree. And you know, agree. And, and again, like, let me ask you this question, Vic. Go right ahead. Do you think Gino is is the long term answer? No. And give me a reason why. I feel look, you always want to end up having someone from the inside that has brought themselves up through the system as far as as a player. Then as an assistant, basically, and be faithful to the system. And then finally, he gets a shot as coach. I mean, again, that's the ideal situation you like to see. However, sometimes what ends up happening is you kind of pick up bad habits when you do that, at least from the administrations that you've been under, basically. Okay, now Gino ended up playing from 89 to 92. Okay, so at that point in time, basically, he would have been kind of stuck there between one year, I mean, as far as from Ron Fraser to Brad Kelly, who was there for one year, basically, and then that's when Coach Morris was brought in back in 92, basically, okay? So the issue here, basically, that you have to look at is this, is that you want to try and develop your own style, okay, when you manage, okay, in terms that you've picked up some things that you've learned as you come along, but at the same time, you know, the game has evolved, okay, during all that time. Okay, and at the same time, the type of players that you had coming through the doors at the U during that time back in the 90s or early mid-2000s, basically, completely different than what you've got now. Okay, I think the talent is definitely there, but the question is this. Are we getting the same thing out of that talent that we should be? Okay, that's one thing to be said. Now, good example, I know last year one of the issues that was being talked about is that you ended up having – certain influences in the locker room that are no longer there that the promise was made that we would end up being better this year granted in essence again we started off pretty good 
then the Florida series kind of was like a little bit of a down. Then we were smoking hot to a point in time that we ended up winning about like what, 14, 15 straight, if I remember correctly. Okay. And then in essence, basically, again, the FSU was the downfall to a good degree. Because look, I mean, again, for anyone that follows UM sports, okay, Miami FSU rivalry, basically, look, you can be like top at the country, basically, as far as in your record, and FSU can end up being having a losing record. I don't care. That's a robbery game. Everyone is zero and zero, fresh from the start. Okay. So, you know, being that being said, basically, I feel that, you know, we have not really grasped, okay, truly how to end up catching every facet of the game that we're supposed to be, basically. Okay. I know pitching wise, basically, in yesterday's game against, you know, NC State. Okay, we the, the staff was mishandled. To be completely honest with you, and we paid for it. We paid for well, it dearly. But again, like you look at an individual who's been a nemesis for you, and yet you know his first at bat he goes yard. Correct. His second at bat goes yard. Yard. Then you 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 know IW him. You know you intentionally walk him, and then you pitch to him again on his fourth at bat, and what does he do? It goes yard. Yard. I mean, like, like, no, like, exactly. Gino, I, I just, what are you doing? Correct. Correct. I, I just feel, let's put it this way. Like I said before, I really feel that it's come time for a change. Look, trying to shift briefly on a tangent over to UM football, basically, same type of situation, basically. We needed to end up going into a different direction with someone that, in essence, knows the culture, ended up growing up as a champion, okay, and we're now embarking on that direction now. I feel the same transition has to be taken with baseball because, again, we've become complacent, okay, with basically winning X amount of games or going so far. Okay, well, and, I mean – And that's the whole thing, right? You, All right, so I don't want to knock – I don't want to say that this, it's a disappointment right now because at the end of the day, you can still come back out of pool play – you still win, you know, win the ACC. I agree. Uh, I, I think the, the biggest concern for me is, you know, are you able to, you know, muster up enough in order to host a regional? Because I, I think that's important because that was just a given for the University of Miami for, for years. But Miami just hosted a regional. Right. Pretty much, also, you know, hoping, hosted supers. Take, so, take, it from, take it from someone who's been there for several regionals and super regionals. Please. There's nothing like it. There's no, nothing like it, it at all. So – my only concern is some of his in-game management. It really is baffling, you know. You know when when you went down one nothing, then you came back and you you know you went up four one. You were thinking, you know, when Yo Yo went, you know, took took control. Yo Yo and correct. Like, yeah. look, you're up four one. You got you got Paul Quist on the mound. You're thinking, hey, this is this is probably going to be lights out. You know, you give me six innings, six and a half innings. Maybe throw a mid reliever in there, and then you bring Walters in and close it out. Like. Okay, you're looking pretty good, but it's the dumb mistakes that you allow by your in-game, you know, management that cost you the ball game. Here's I was talking with a mutual friend of ours basically um, about a couple weeks ago, and we were questioning a call that Gino made, a game that we're losing six to one, and he brings in Walters basically around the sixth or seventh inning. I'm like, where is this coming from? Where is this coming from? I said, you're supposed to end up bringing him in a situation where it's to end up closing the game, basically, or at least saving the game for you. Case closed. But, one of the but other. let me ask you this, though, Vic. If you're down, I mean, 
sometimes you're you're pitching you need to work your pitchers right you just at, at some point right agreed my thing though is i would never save my reliever just to be a reliever like if he's one of my better pitchers like and i'm struggling like i'm throwing him out there you know because if you need to win you need to win Agreed. I just feel, let's put it this way, when you're looking at like someone like Walters, who I think is honestly the best reliever in the country, to be very Correct. honest with you. Okay? Correct. And I hope now, he wins the award. And, and if he doesn't, there should be a federal investigation. Okay? Of course. <laughs> okay. Now, and that's being honest, that kid's got lightning quick stuff. No joke. I mean, we let's put it say, all of us last year were talking about Carson, how like great he was as far as closing. I mean, yeah. please look at what, look what Andrew's done this year. Anyways. Correct. Okay. Now, you remember there's a certain mindset that a closer ends up having basically when put in a certain type of situation. At least that's the way I feel. When you right. look at the, when you look at the pros, basically, you know, we've seen closers like Mariano. Okay, as far as for you know the Yankees, I also got to mention you know Chapman for the Yankees as well too. Other yeah. closers that we've seen you know throughout you know the last couple years in baseball, basically, they have that certain mentality that you bring them in, then they're in there to shut the door, save the game, basically. So. You end up introducing him to a situation where it's like you're down losing five runs, okay, and you're bringing him in with like you've got two men on base, okay, for the opposing team, if I remember correctly at that point in time. So I'm yep. like, where is this coming from? And don't get me wrong, at least we had other middle relievers that we could have put in there in that place. So, I mean, again, we go back to the same situation as far as in-game decisions that really leave you wondering, like, what, what is the mindset that's behind it? And don't get me wrong. Look, every one of us can end up being armchair quarterbacks slash coaches, basically, at the sideline, double-guessing. I, I understand yeah. that. But at the same time, basically, again, the end result proves itself. To how be much, very honest with you. Let me ask you this. How, how much, if any, are the, do you think that Gino listens to his assistant coaches? I'm just curious. Mm, boy, that's. I'm just asking. Be, I look. Let's put it this way. I'll listen back. Not even listen back. And you and I were talking about this at one point in time, the FSU series last year, <clears throat> here at UN, basically at the light. Now you ended up having a lot of like just either distrustful or confused looks that were being exchanged between Gino, the pitchers, okay, and then JD. Yeah. Okay. So there you kind of begin to wonder, like, okay, where is, again, there's supposed to be some type of a certain level of confidence or at least knowledge that you should know what to do in that type of situation. So do I think basically Gino in that regard is not really paying attention? Let me put this. It's not even a matter of paying attention to his coaches. I don't think in essence, basically, he has adapted to the game as much as he should. Don't get me wrong, when he first came on a couple years ago, there were certain technologies that were being utilized in order to get our guys hitting the ball better and much more active at the plate. Better than what they were basically under Morris for the, the previous two years that he was here. I mean, I remember at one point in time, I don't know if you remember, I mean, I, I almost like freaked out because our best hitter might have been hitting like 240, 250. We had so many guys basically straddling or beneath the Mendoza line. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Gotcha. You know, and, and that was and that was a sad thing. So again, I just remember something. It, it's a lot of the situation that it's like, look, a good example. That's something we talked about as well too. You know, I don't know if it's if, if I don't know if it's supposed to be a federal crime. If you've got a guy on first base, you've got no outs, okay, and you're trying to end up getting a position to get a run across. 
My God, <laughs> bump the guy over. Correct. Bump the guy over. Correct. And I mean, we and, and and let me tell you something. Another thing as well too is this. Look, you know, I would trust either you barefoot or Grayson. Okay, to end up stealing second base from first better than some of our guys. I hate to put it that way, but it's like we've been nailed so many times making running mistakes basically or the inability to end up stealing a base. That That's gotcha. a lost art. That's a lost art in my opinion. No, I, I feel you. And, and, and again, moving forward, I don't know what's going to happen. I, if, if Miami goes down and they lose to – if they lose to Wake and, and they get knocked out of, you know, out of the tournament, I, I just don't know where to go from there. You know, does – does the new AD say, hey, look, I've seen enough? Because obviously, you know, Radakovich, you know, he's a very good, you know, AD. He, he wants it to, you know, you look at the amount of money that football is starting to spend. I can see the same thing eventually with the University of Miami baseball team and what they can spend. You know, and not for nothing, you just spend all this money on this scoreboard that you can't even read. You know, so I don't know whose idea that was. But, you know, go back to the old, you know, like green monster look and just, you know, put the little plates in there so I can see the numbers. Cause I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if the LEDs are too bright or, or what's going on, but like that's there's some, is brutal. Look, there, there's some basic fundamentals about baseball that in essence, we just failed to capture, to be honest with you. Okay. And that, and again, look, let's put it this way. And I mean, look, Derek, you've been following UM sports since the Beatles came to town a little bit. Okay. <laughs> you know, but, but think about it this way, okay? You end up having so much talent that has come through our ranks either in football, baseball, basketball. So here's the issue. You bring forth that talent that in essence, we look, we get higher rank classes every single year basically in baseball, okay? We're talking at least like top five, top 10, no doubt, okay? Yeah. So the question is this. You end up seeing where we're at in terms of possibilities versus the reality. So the question is, is how far is the divide between basically what was the promise and what's the reality basically? And the question yeah. is this, it, it's a two way street. Okay. Is the player that you're having being given all the resources possible in order to succeed, to go to the next level. But at the same time is the coach that you've got in place providing, okay. The teaching, the fundamentals, basically yeah. the insights to, end up bringing up those people to those players to the next level okay michael urban we talked about this in a previous podcast i mean a couple of months ago i remember one time and you probably there okay this was a canes fest i was at the orange bowl made a comment i remember this he was talking to the press he says we attract the best talent in the country here at the university of miami but it's the coaching that makes it first round talent correct okay that's the one thing i'm beginning to wonder that in essence do we have that here right now within baseball uh, th okay. that's that's a good question because at the end of the day i don't know i, okay. I don't know what what's going to happen so yeah. only time will tell and again you you got to get through you got to get through this tournament you got to hopefully you can you know pop up and, and catch a, a host a regional um and i don't think the regional is going to be easy depends on who you know who who gets slid into that regional um again part don't of, mess part, part, part of one of the fear might be basically is if getting we might florida down there oh god Florida's like our kryptonite. Yeah. Florida's like our kryptonite. No joke. Okay. And, and I'll be honest with you. I remember last year we took two out of three from them in their brand new field. And I'm like, things were looking up. Okay. But then we go back to then what happened this year, basically. And it's like, again, you know, 
I, again, like I said, I, I just don't think long-term answer, again, it's there. I, I just You have glimpses of hope in terms of some of the things that you see, but at the same time, is it long-standing? Is it something that can carry over, okay, so that way it ends up basically taking us to a higher level? We'll see. You're listening to the Kang Gang Radio Show here on Sirius XM, Channel 145. Again, uh, I did just got a text from my guest. I guess he's trying to download either – Firefox or Chrome so he can access, you know, StreamYard, which I thought you could probably do from your iOS on a Mac, but maybe not. I don't know. Not, not my cup of tea. I'm not an IT guy. Vic, you got you, you do Apple or you do, uh, or you do, uh, I mean, got, or PC. You got PC. PC, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm not, I'm not sure about Macs and things like that. But anyway, we're going to go to break here. Um, we'll be back here shortly and uh, we'll hopefully have our guests joining us and we'll just continue our rant. And uh, we'll keep it moving. So we'll be right back. Stay with us. Uh, we'll be right back. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. We are strong, we are resilient, and we will get through this together. But these are stressful times, and it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid. But there is hope. Reach out to someone. Connect with your friends. Stay in touch with your community. And know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com slash hope. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Good morning, amigo. But you I'm see, it's a bad idea to do that. I didn't Bro, cry during the talk. Good thing, good thing you're going to be home today so nobody can see you cry. But I was fine. I didn't even cry. I was like, good. No, but the silence afterwards is enough. Oh, and then you give me that puppy look back. You give me that puppy look you have. I'm just holding it back a little. Good thing nobody can see you crying tonight. I'm fine. Stay home, privacy of your own home, watch it on Zoom. <laughs> you, know, you can be a Richard sometimes. <laughs> Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. We'll be back with Kane Gang. On Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Social Security is with you through life's journey from birth to retirement. As your life changes year to year, so do your needs. For over 80 years, Social Security has helped to meet your needs and is committed to improving access to the services that make a difference in your life. Today, you can verify your earnings, estimate your future benefits, apply for retirement, manage your benefits, and even change your address, all from the comfort of your home. Social Security's online services help put you in control with secure access to your information anytime, anywhere, allowing you to spend more time with family, friends, or simply just enjoying the day. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. 
I'm constantly failing, guys. I'm constantly learning. It's not how you fall. It's how you get back up. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. But I really get motivated when people tell me it'll never happen. That, that to me is what makes me get up in the morning and go, what's next? I love people to tell me no. I love people to tell me don't, it won't, impossible. And uh, the word can't is the word can. And the word don't is the word do. And the word won't is the word one. And in the word impossible, it's possible. What do you tell them? You tell them, you know, you know that, that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger. Because all it's going to do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. You, you got to take those losses. You got to take those hits. There's got to be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, con terrible. You know, this is what it's all about. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. Slam Radio, what's up? From Enrique Santos, 2949, iHeart Latino. And now we're back with Kane Gang on Sirius XM 145, Slam Radio. All right, we're back, everybody, on the Kang Gang Radio Show on Sirius XM, channel 145 Slam Radio. Um, our guest finally did join us. He had some, you know, pre, pre-situations where he wasn't able to join us earlier, but we do have him now, and we're very, you know, blessed to welcome on the show uh, Mr. Number 66, 2001 National Champion, 2002 Seven-Second National Champion, Dave mm. Remington Award winner, <laughs> All-American, <laughs> Mr. Brett Romberg. What's up, man? Man, Woo. I'm in a dream down here. By the way, it ain't the blood pressure. It's the lighting right now. <laughs> Amber Hue right now. So it ain't the blood pressure. Trust me, ladies and gentlemen, I'm doing all right. Listen, you got that mood lighting going on back there. Yeah, we man, understand. Twist the teal and sex appeal. That's what I got going on. <laughs> well, listen, man, we, we appreciate you joining. I, I did preface, you know, 2001 national champion and 2002 seven-second national champion. Um, I hope you're okay with that because, listen, I was in Tempe. I was in that stadium. I was there. I, I, I know the feeling, not necessarily as a player, but as a fan who paid a lot of money to travel out there. Oof. Brutal. I, I could only imagine. I uh... – Honest to God, it, it seems like it's about 80% of my conversations that I normally have with people is is what the hell happened in 2003, in January, right? So to be perfectly honest with you, and, and, and as I've gotten older and as I've like thought about this wholeheartedly and a lot, you know, a lot of maturity has, has made me come to this conclusion, there was a giant sense of arrogance behind us to the point where we weren't as focused as we were the year before if that makes a lot of sense. I think, 100%. I think it's both not only players think we're going to go in there and roll up on Ohio State, but I think I think the coaches were outcoached, to be perfectly honest with you. you. know, At that point in time, we were all riding the lightning. We were all top of the line. It was, it was, it was prime choice, you know, center stage, Miami Hurricane football everywhere we went. And um, 
And, and I think it, it kind of got away from us a little bit. You know, it's that lackadaisical attitude that you could see what's going on in society today. It's that whole nomenclature of, you know, tough men make easy times, easy times make soft men, soft men make hard times. And I think yeah. it got to the point where we were hard men that made easy times. And then all of a sudden it came around and bit us in the ass, man. It really did. And it's unfortunate, right? Because obviously, I don't want to say it, take, it took anything away from the legacy of what you guys accomplished in 01 and should have done in 02. But I think that that, that loss kind of set Miami kind of on a, dime, a downward spiral moving 100%. forward in the next couple of years. You know, um, you lost a lot of great people, a lot of great players from that 02 class, you know, 03 class, 04 class. And then Lily Miami just kind of fell off. And, you know, who knows what would have happened if you guys did accomplish that and go back-to-back national champions. Technically, you guys should have been back-to-back-to-back if you want to go to back to yeah, 2000, right? Like, you know, um, you know, but who knows what, what could have played out. You know, I look like an individual like Glenn Sharp, who completely bad call on him, blah, blah, blah. But look what happened in his life later on. Like, you know, maybe that situation doesn't happen to him, you know, if that call wasn't made against him. Like, I think about those things, you know, maybe that's me, you know, I don't know, but it's, it's weird to think about what could have been and what could have not have been. hundred percent, man. The, the choices we make in life, man, echo in eternity. They really do, whether they're good or they're bad. And, and there's a couple of things, I'm not going to lie to you. There's a couple of decisions that I made throughout that whole trip out to Tempe, Arizona that I, I fully regret there. And I know there's a few other individuals that can echo the same sentiment all the way down to communicating on the sideline when the game was going on. There was a lot of stuff behind the scenes that people aren't aware of that um, that either got people fired or made guys that you thought were ready for the big standards and the big shows. They weren't ready for it, man. And there was a lot of stuff going on on those sidelines that people weren't aware of that, that really did change the outcome of that game. It, it wasn't just the call in the end zone. It was, it was a, uh, I guess you could say, a slow-moving train wreck as the game was going on about game time adjustments and and players arguing with coaches and things along those lines that were going on that sideline that were that were uh, sad to say it, but uh, but, but ultimately ended up in, in becoming the outcome of that football game. You know, you take away the last four minutes of the first half, obviously interception and fumble by Ken, and again that just gave them momentum going forward. I felt like. This is just me from a, a fan perspective who watches the game. Like I felt like we didn't really use like Andre as much as we should. He was, you know, he had a five foot ten, five foot eleven Chris Gamble on him. I think we made through the ball to him four or five times. Obviously, Winslow had a phenomenal game. But then again, you got the McGahee injury. You know, when Dorsey got his bell rung later on, right before you know regulation, like you know, do you bring Crudup in? Do you keep Crudup in there? You know, there's so many things that, like you say, you play out. What's Hold going on? on you, you're telling me that Crudup, Crudup got in that game. Yeah, I think he got in for a play. Remember when Dorsey Dorsey got knocked out? Brother, you don't remember I'll, that? Bro, I'll tell you right now. I, I can go over so many things that I have no recollection of. Like, it's it's almost embarrassing where people always ask me about, like, certain situations that happen within certain football games. And Unless I'm mistaken, Brett. You know what? I might be mistaken. I think they called timeout, and Dorsey came in, and that's when he missed Winston in, in the flat right at the goal line. So I think remember Dorsey so got his bell throw or, or yeah, I know, yeah, he literally missed he missed Winston. He was wide open in the flat. Oh, That's boy. why I was thinking that they should have brought Crudup in for that one play. Because oh, Dorsey got his bell rung. You there you don't a, remember that play? No, no. Oh, there, Winston there, was wide open in the flat. There were there were so many situations in that game that okay, whether it was I could barely hold on to the football, first of all. I don't know if a lot of people knew this or not, but 
I think it was after that Florida State game, I became susceptible to cramping quite often. And it got to the point where after the overtimes, like we're all getting jabbed with IVs because we're all super dehydrated. It's obviously dry air in Tempe, Arizona, and we're not used to it in the humidity, right? So we're kind of dealing with that animal as well. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm laying on the ground watching my, my tailback who must have had the most horrific injury. And to this day, I've never watched it. I, I could put my hand on the Bible. I've never watched the Willis McGahee play where he got his leg folded backwards. And I, I don't know what it is. Um, it just seems like it, it really does seem like a bad dream. But what I do recall is going back to my hotel. First of all, I had to hop over Willis McGahee and his girlfriend as he had his leg strung across the bus on the way back to the hotels. Right. So I had to stay late because I was getting IVs because my hands were cramping so bad that I wasn't able to hold the ball. I was like shocked that I was able to snap the football throughout those overtimes because my hands would lock up and I wasn't able to bend my fingers to hold a football. So aside from that, like the whole like warrior mentality of not coming off the field and whether you're getting your bell rung or you're getting dinged up, whether you're a quarterback, a kicker or a center, um, there's just certain animalistic attitudes that you don't want to let go especially in the game of football to show any sign of weakness or whatnot regardless if if the guy can come in is better than you or not you, you're not giving up your spot because at the yeah. school that we went to you give up your spot for one play you ain't getting it back, yeah, you're back. <laughs> so, <laughs> that was one of the things that was embedded in us you know what i mean so it, it was one of those things where at the end of the game there was a certain amount of us that had to stay back whether due to injury or or ivs and even my girlfriend and current wife right now at the time um she and I had to hop over Willis McGahee, who was sobbing uncontrollably uh, on that on that bus on the way back to that hotel. And, he, and Willis had his girl with him. Um, and I, at that point, I still didn't know what was going on. I just knew that we lost our tailback for the game after that play. So and, and you want to hear about wind coming out of sails on that sideline. It got to the point where, you know, like, like Sean Taylor was great and everything. I don't recall Sean Taylor being an awesome football player to be hundred percent perfectly honest with you. I don't recall Sean because we had so many other amazing defensive backfield players, Ed Reed, you name like all these guys names that like that did so predominant in the NFL that did so well, these all Americans and all pros and, and, you know, the guys that are going to the pro bowls and, and, and the senior bowls of all things. And, and it's just like, these guys were just teammates to me, like guys that just stepped up and played. So you're telling me that, like, you know, certain plays that Sean Taylor was epic and certain plays that John Vilma was epic. And I, I, I just find them as plays. And in the back of my mind, they're just plays that happen in that game. And, and losing Willis McGahee, I've never felt an exhale from a stadium, from a fan base, from a team, from a bench, uh, from a sideline that I've ever felt before in my 10 years in the NFL or nine years in the NFL and in all of my collegiate career. That injury was probably the most deflating situation that I've ever seen in a game ever in my life. You know, and coming off the season that Willis had, just, you know, the rushing yards, the touchdowns, just the leadership. And, you know, and again, Willis gets on the field because Frank Gore goes down, right? Yeah. Like, So it, it's crazy how it's always next man up. Um, you know, you talk about, you know, the plays and your teammates. 
Like your old line teammates were phenomenal. Like again, you talk about Joaquin and Brett and Bibla, and sh- like my man Sherco. Like I love Sherco. Like I wish Sherco was on social media, but I love Sherco. He can't be because he's a terrorist, man. That guy's like wandering I can't go anywhere. He can't cross borders. He looks exactly like Osama bin Laden's son, Omar bin Laden. Do yourself a favor, Google Omar bin Laden, and you're gonna be like Jesus Christ, Sherco, where you been? Yeah. You know, I was fortunate to see Sherco at a Hall of Fame banquet um, a few years ago, and like literally, my eyes lit up. You know, I'm like. Sherco, like, oh my gosh! Really, it's like of of all of us, because you know we're all degenerates, we're all meatheads, we're all guys that like to like pull pranks on each other, and we're vicious, we're brutal. Sherco was never mean, like he he was a big hairy, you know, Sasquatch (laughs) on the football field, and and, and loved to destroy Florida State football players, Darnell Dockett included, and um, and just was never mean, or never did anything vindictive to anybody. Whereas all of us, we have we have just issues, you know, former offensive linemen. And currently we, we still have issues of just making people feel really horrible about themselves. But, uh, but yeah, Sherco was never that guy. Sherco was a sweetheart, man. He really was. You, Derek, you hit the nail on the head. That guy is just one of the best, one of the best to ever do it. You know, a lot of you guys, you know, and again, like I saw you, I saw you at the banquet, you know, last month. And, you know, when I saw you at Paradise last year and then you know, I took a picture and, you know, um, and then I, I, I photoed that with like a picture of at the OB 20 years prior. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's crazy. Like I have a photo with Sherco at, at the Hall of Fame. And then I found one with him and I at the OB. And it was a funny story. We were sitting there as a couple of friends and I said, Sherco. So he came over. I'm like, hey, come on over here. Like, you know, I'm like, going to get a photo. I'm like, I'm like, hey, can you do me a favor? And he thought I was going to get a photo. I was like, yeah, I got you. Like, what's up? I'm like, hey, take our photo. So all of us all, like me and my boys all hung up on me. Sure, go take the photo. <laughs> I like it. We're like, there's we don't nothing, need your photo. There's nothing more humbling than asking somebody to take your photograph. I absolutely love that. Oh, but but like Sherco just, he, he took it, he embraced it. And I'm like, Sherco, you know, I'm only messing with you, you know. And then I ended up getting another photo with Sherco. But like that camaraderie that you guys had on that old line, like how, how legit and how tight was that? I'm telling you, Derek, I, 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 I have never experienced anything like this ever, like ever, ever, ever. You want to talk about like, for instance, I'll let people behind the curtain here. I, I don't, I don't say I love you to my family. I just don't. I say it to my kids, maybe, uh, never said it to my dad, obviously kind of a regrettable situation there. Um, my mom, I don't say it to nobody really in my family, my little brother. I don't, I just don't utter those words, but those guys are just different. It's a different type of relationship with those guys to this day. Like for instance, like Joaquin's mom just passed away. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the first thing I thought in my head that I had to do while I was showering, uh, to get ready to leave before she passed away was. I needed to find a cop's outfit so I can go strip for her. I'm, I'm not lying to you. I wanted to go take my clothes off in front of Joaquin's mom as she was passing away to give her one more hoorah of the Canadian bacon. <laughs> this is how sick and twisted we are. So I texted Joaquin and I was like, what kind of shape is your mom in? And first of all, my wife is yelling at me because I'm in the shower cleaning up. <laughs> I open the door and I go, what would you say right now if I said, let's go to Joaquin's house right now and, and, and I, I, I do a full out show for his mom. And she goes, are you out of your freaking mind? Like, what's, what is, she's dying. What is wrong with you? And I was like, I'll tell her husband people. I'll tell people he's got to leave the room. You know, it's just going to be a one-on-one show. I'm <laughs> but Joaquin was like, you know what? I love you. Um, 
you're mentally crazy and, and you're absolutely out of your mind, but I love you. Like I, I want, I would love for you to come here and do that for my mom. Like, oh. like, like I know it, it sounds kind of weird and twisted and, and almost like, I don't know. No, that's uh, great. But see that, that's, that's what, that's what the university of Miami, that brotherhood does to people. And, and I don't think the country, other schools around the country understand no what clue. that, what that brotherhood means. Right. No, clue. no like, like for instance, intro rolls at my house two days ago. Intro role came over. Uh, I talked to Vilma. God, I, I think I think Vilma texted me this morning, but I talked to him maybe yesterday. Uh, DJ Williams on a daily basis. Um, it, it is it is utterly incredible the camaraderie that we have with each other. Yeah. The the racial boundaries, you know, society today nowadays, and you know, everybody's finger pointing race and and uh, sexual discrimination or whatever the hell it is. But we, it just didn't exist, man. Like, I don't know. I can't remember who. I think it was, uh, uh, I don't know if it was the Steelers coach Tomlin or if it was Bill Belichick that uh, that was kind of emphasizing the fact that, like, when you have 100 men striving to achieve the same goal, putting in blood, sweat, and tears day in and day out, finding ways to scratch, claw, and succeed, and competing it doesn't matter what color the other guy is. It doesn't matter where he came from. Because you know our offensive line was like a league of nations. You know what I mean? It had no relevance of where the person came from, where they are today, who, who's their girlfriend, what color they are, what religion they practice. It didn't freaking matter. It's like, can you accomplish what we're here to accomplish together as a team, as a unit? If you can and you can help us out, brother, I'm, 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 I'm with you all day long, every day. You know what I mean? None of the, pardon my French, but none of the bullshit that we see today, like it just it didn't exist, man. It just, in Facts. that locker room, it, that did not exist. And I talked to guys from Florida state. I talked to guys from USC. I talked to guys from all over the country that we ended up playing in the NFL together with. And they just always shook their head and said, what the hell do you guys got going on in that locker room? Like, how are you one of the coolest white dudes I've ever met in your like what is going on up there and i have to explain to him like i'm blacker than drake like i don't think you get it man like we we don't see you don't see that stuff up there. i always tell everybody i'm black from the waist down they, they all laugh yeah, at that's me what, that's what I, <laughs> I tell you knees up waist down you know what i mean it, it doesn't get any darker than me brother I'm and, telling and, you, and, you know not. obviously my wife's puerto rican right and she looks at me like you're such a dumbass and i'm like <laughs> but so let me ask you this though like you guys had such a like your guys' attitude on that old line was just it was infectious. Yeah. But does does that come from Kehoe? Because if you like, that's how Kehoe is, right? So is that something that you guys embodied from art? Absolutely, man. Like, <laughs> well, I, I think a lot of it had to do with you know the generational pass down. So those that are obviously very privy with our current head coach right now, Mario Cristobal. Mario Cristobal. I hate to say it was once one of the degenerates that we used to call offensive linemen too. And he might wear the crown between him and Casey Jones. I love Casey. All of the lunatics that came prior that we obviously pay homage to. Absolutely. I, I got his number right here. <laughs> so shout out. Notice, we just found out about tonight, but Casey Jones is going to be here for the fishing tournament for the UN fishing tournament on the June 18th on that Saturday. Which we're going to talk about in a few minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm, you know, I mean, I'm just dropping a little bit, but, uh, but yeah, Casey confirmed today that he'll be in the town. So that, goddamn lunatic original one of the greatest <laughs> ever in the world will be here you know what i mean um but it's just it's just the lunatics like that that um 
they, obviously they played in a different era and some of them played in an era where football sucked at the university of Miami, much like a lot of, you know, the recent years. Um, but you want to talk about somebody that just constantly wears the crown or the badge or the, the U or the helmet or the struggles or the trials and tribulations of camaraderie and building and continually trying to achieve the greatness that was before them or that might come after them. Those guys on the offensive line are the guys like they, they really are. I don't care if you're playing college, high school, uh, NFL, your team is only going to go in practice, especially because if you've got the offensive linemen that are fat and lazy and are dragging ass, aren't finishing anything, they're making errors left and right. The play will never start, first of all, because there's going to be an offside. Some guy's not thinking. A quarterback will get sacked immediately if they're not blocking their protection properly. So really the game does start and stop on that offensive line. So as long as you've got those guys up front that really care and have passion that want to not only protect their quarterback and block for their running backs and make sure that their wide receivers get all of the accolades and star-studded allure that they are trying to achieve as a wide receiver and, and arrogance. Um, we feel like we know that our awards and our accolades will come if all the others around us succeed. You know what I mean? It's a very unselfish position, the offensive line. And, and unfortunately today, it's not one of those ones that are most revered. I notice that a lot with working with kids is they almost feel like they're, 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 they're shamed to be, hey, I think you're going to be a good offensive lineman or you're going to be a good tackle. And until I pull them aside and be like, you realize that like tackles now in the NFL are making like 12, 15 million dollars a year. Like, like, I'm sorry, kid, you're going to have to eat another cheeseburger. Or two. You know, like, like let's, let's do that. your feet don't dance like a goddamn wide receiver or defensive oh, tight end. You're definitely not going to be a quarterback, man. Like, first of all, you got the Cuban gene, so you ain't going to go any more than five eleven. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where. Like, like, heaven forbid you get to have the opportunity to do something great and become part of five guys that uh, that are all striving to make one goal happen. It's really – it's a team within the team. It's really cool. That's awesome. You know, you, you mentioned, you know, about you guys, you know, blocking and pass protecting and stuff like that. And obviously you pass protected for one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play at University of Miami and Ken Dorsey. You know, again, maybe didn't have all the physical tools, blah, blah, blah. But the guy was a pure winner and he was so smart. You look at the running backs that you got to block for. Portis, McGahee, Frank Gore, Jared Payton, Quatrain Hill, you know, James Jackson. Like, like how awesome is that? Like, and then and, and again, you got to block against people, Vince Wolford, McDougal's, Andrew Williams, you know, Cornelius Green, Jamal yeah. Green, Vilma, yeah. all those guys that were running, DJ, all those guys that were running against you. Like, it's pretty awesome. You, you, you want to hear something funny? And I probably said this once or twice before, but I didn't think any of the guys that I played against were good. <laughs> That's the sad part. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? And I'm saying it as much of a straight face as I possibly can, but it really is utterly disgusting to consider that these are the guys that are considered one of the best ever in the world to ever do what they do. And it was an everyday go to work job for me. Like there was never any, oh my God, I got my ass kicked today. And there was never, oh my God, I'm dreading going to practice the next day. Oh my God, no, hell no. It was me making fun of Fat Vince. It was Fat Vince talking about oh, it. It was, it, we literally, like two days ago, I think Mike Rump sent in a private text. He said, favorite Vince, when, when Vince was getting inducted for the, the New England Patriots thing. 
He goes, favorite Vince Wilfork story. So, you know, everybody's like throwing their story because there's literally, I don't know, 50, 60 guys on this group text. And um, and I'll never forget. So, so, so Fat Vince, he used to sit in this one table by the television in the locker room with no shirt on. And, and Vince, you know, at, at a whopping six feet tall, 350, 60 pounds, he was the only fat dude I knew that had veins going down his forearms. So I, and I've got, obviously I would see these veins firsthand. You know what I mean? He would put his hand in the ground right over top of where my ball was. And I would watch and I'm like, how is this 350 pound man vascular right now? Which was mind boggling to me. And then you would see him like with like shorts on and you'd see his calves. And then all of a sudden he'd put like tights on and he had like hamstrings. Black dudes, we don't, we don't have hamstrings. You know, it's one of those things like good luck looking in the mirror and looking for a hamstring because you're not going to find one. Um, but Vince had all of that bicep vein, like a McDonald's straw, uh, hamstrings, calves. And you're like, where did we're, it's, it's all belly. This man is just all belly. Right. So in the group, to make a long story short, I know I'm elaborating a little bit, but, uh, Playing against the New England Patriots, my second year, we're up in Foxborough, and all of a sudden, some dude spits on the ball, a nose tackle, spits on the ball before I put my hand on the ball. And I'm like, this mf -er. I was like, oh, this is war. I was like, you got to be shitting me. So I spin the ball around, wipe it on the grass, and I'm like, starting to, I'm starting to like, mm, like kind of growl a little bit. And then, and then all of a sudden he shakes his mask and like a bunch of sweat falls on him. And I'm like, what? This is like Vince's rookie year, right? <laughs> and then all of a sudden I hear biggity bear, biggity bear, big, 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 big. And what it is is Desi, who used to deliver food to our locker room for five bucks a pop for this ranch and bacon covered pasta dish that Vince used to get all the time. It was like 9,000 calories in one city. In fact, Vince would go run like 110s right after he would eat it. He just had no care in the world, right? So all of a sudden, so we nicknamed him Bezzy because of all of it. He must have paid Bezzy's light bill over at that frat house. One day <laughs> the amount of $5 lunches that Vince used to just scarf down. So he would be like big to big over the ball during the Patriots game. I literally almost pissed my pants laughing because I the football. I couldn't, I couldn't handle, like, Leftwich was like, what the hell are you laughing at? And I was like, dude, Vince Wolfwork just lined up over top of me, and I had, like, flashbacks. It was, it was <laughs> as, much, as much destruction as that man caused on the football field, he might be one of the funnest, coolest, funniest dudes you could ever come across. So I had, I had lunch with him a couple weeks ago. Vince and I are super close. Oh, okay. okay that, cool. is, that is my favorite player of all time. I bet. I would like, be mine, too. You know, and again, just like you, like I met him as he was an incoming freshman, you know, and again, we just struck a bond and um, his his oldest daughter, Destiny, and my oldest son, Zach, are only a couple months apart. When we had a uh, we had a Canes Fest at War Memorial back in, I think, in 2003 or 2004, uh, 2003, he had brought uh, my son like a little outfit, you know, for because oh, he was cool. being born. So we like it had to be about about a month ago because now he lives down here in Weston and um so we linked up. We just went and had pizza, and actually, it was a day that uh, Dwayne Haskins passed away. Oh, we were okay. we were sitting there eating lunch, and um, but but you're right. Like he is one of the most humble and just generous and big hearted guys you will ever yeah. meet in your life. He is. He, he <laughs> just he makes me smile. Like they're just like you figure a guy that just wants to tear people apart. 
would would be somewhat menacing, but he makes me smile. He's a, he's he's a fellow that you just you could sit in the backyard and drink beers with that cat all night long. As long as he's <laughs> making ribs. <laughs> as long as you put a pair of overalls on him but no t-shirt underneath, you better believe it. Yeah, man. He's, he's but, see, but how cool is that, right? These are the stories that you have playing at the University of Miami and just like the friendship, like you just pick up the phone. Hey Vince, man, we were just talking about you and you blah, blah, blah. Like, but you can do that with numerous people. Like how, like, obviously like my goal is like my son, Grayson, he's four and a half. My goal, his middle name is Kane and it's not K-N-A, it's C-A-N-E for a reason, right? Like, like my goal is, I don't care if he's a PWO, like I don't care if he's a walk-on, like bro, have that helmet on and run through that smoke one time. And and that's all I care about. (laughs) I'm telling you, it's a lot of guys, find satisfaction and, and, and live through their children. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a, it's one of those things where like, I know right now, if you want to talk about a guy like that, like Joaquin Gonzalez, like Joaquin Gonzalez, his son, like his son over there at Columbus, he's climbing the quarterback ladder and Joaquin is doing everything. He, like it's hard enough for me to exercise on a regular basis. Joaquin not only re- exercises on a regular, but he makes his son exercise on a regular basis. He built a weight room in his garage for his son. He hires personal trainers and quarterback coaches and helps him study. Like his son just, like he just wants some kind of academic award at Columbus. Um, it was actually the night of, I believe it was our football banquet a couple weeks back. And his son was awarded at Columbus for some kind of ridiculous five point something GPA or yeah. something. I know you can only have a 4.0, but he had some kind of. What's that honors? It's so bad. AP courses. AP courses. That's exactly what it is. And, and it's so amazing that the kid doesn't even have finals. Like, he doesn't have finals this week for Columbus High School because he's been granted a pass because wow. he's so damn bright. And and you could see the ha- – like, walking through a Halloween birthday party. So his son's birthday is around Halloween, and we went there as, as security guards. So I ended up ordering a bunch of, like, security T-shirts. <laughs> and then me and my wife showed up, and we were, like, kind of like – there was, like, four or five of us as, as security guards. And you had literally like a 200 person guest list and a DJ and like all kinds of food catered in and mobile bathrooms and everything for his house because he's literally reliving his high school life because self-admittingly for him, he was a total nerd in high school, never enjoyed high school. His parents were a little bit more strict with him. Um, never, never had a couple cocktails, never had anything, just, you know, just straight as an arrow kind of kid. And he wants his son to experience everything he never did. And he's trying to help him do so. And it's just, it, you sit back and you watch it and it's special. It really is something cool to watch a father with his 15, 16 year old son, yeah. try to relive that and go to the same high school he went to and, you know, play for the same football team he went to. I, I'm not going to be surprised, honest to God, if, if, if Vinny Gonzalez Get some kind of offer um, at the University of Miami in a couple of years from now. He's good and impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I watched that. Um, speaking of the little man, can you want to say hi? hi. Look, you want to say hi? Like, say what's up. Dude, what are you doing? What time, what time do you go to bed, man? It's almost 10 bells right now. What you ready to go to bed? What? Yours. Mine's dead. Okay, go play. No, so he's no. he's playing like we play Fortnite together, bro. It, it's ridiculous. Oh, you're a gamer. You're a well, gamer. I, I really wasn't, but like he's four and a half. And he's like literally. I need to do it like a YouTube channel on this kid playing Fortnite. He's literally amazing. And is he talking I, shit to other people or no? Oh yeah, yeah. He gets on his little microphone, bro, and I die laughing. So, <laughs> <laughs> so whatever. All right. So check this. I want to ask you a couple questions about about your playing days okay. because again, there's stuff that we want to talk about. 
I have a favorite play of yours, but I want to know what your favorite play at the University of Miami was. Oof. Wow. There's been a few where I've had a couple different knockdowns in the same play, the same instance. Um, I always enjoyed playing against Boston College, against old uh, Klecko. Oh, no, Klecko was at Temple. Who was at Boston College? I can't remember who was at Boston College. That was another good one that I enjoyed playing against. Was, was it Mike What's that? Mike Ruth? R-U-T-H? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I enjoyed, I enjoyed a couple scraps with that guy. Um, but I don't think anything could really replace the Florida State games. It, like, whether it's Womble, Dockett, um, any of their linebackers with all of their, like, ridiculous – even Pope, like – with the Kendall Pope was a beast. He was, but he was about 185 pounds. You know what I mean? And he had that neck roll that like went up the back of his helmet. I'm about that. But the, who, who ended up coming down and playing for the Dolphins at the end of his career? What was that? Channing like? Crowder. Crowder. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, um, yeah. They're, they're, I, I think I think there's nothing that replaces those games in Florida. Like you, you got you got pubic hair against the Florida State Seminoles. You really did. Like you grew extra pubic hair against the Seminoles. Um, so yeah, those battles, I know the ones we went up there and just whooped their ass. They were not contestant. They weren't that, like they folded. They really did give up. Oh, one and oh three. I mean, those are good games up there. Obviously, oh, one, 49, 27, you know, oh three. We just call that the Sean Taylor game in the rain. Cause that was just literally a monsoon and Sean yeah. just took over the game. Yeah. Um, you know, oh, two was the wide left. I mean, again, it's like, man, there's not, but like that, not that the O two game. The screen pass from McGahee. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's my play with you. Like, just to see you trucking down the sideline. Bro, like, uh, to this day, I'm still shocked that I was moving like that. Bro, like, the, like to me, like, it's amazing to watch that play because I'm like, how did he get down there so quick? Not not only how like how fast it looked, but, like, that wasn't at the beginning of the game either, right? Oh, like, that was the end of the game. Towards, towards that the was end fourth of the game. quarter. Yeah, <laughs> man, so I had that gas at the end of the game, which was, like, nasty to me. Like, if, if, if you ask a lot of the guys um, – about like our drills that we used to do together. I used to do a lot of our drills with the linebackers and defensive backs when it comes to footwork stuff. Cause I was like known as like the dancing bear. Like if you ask Randy Shannon, he called me the wolf because my feet were like just nasty quick. I had really quick feet doing like certain like short distance drills. Cause I had short legs and I had short arms, right? So that was like my whole thing. Um, but getting me to sprint long distance was just something I didn't, I didn't do well. So that game, I don't know what the hell got into me. I got on some kind of horse, or I must have done a line of blow on the sidelines before I went out. I don't know what the hell happened that time. I'll tell you the God's honest truth, but I was moving, boy. I don't know yes. if it's camera angle or if it's like a wide shot or what. No, it but that was that was legitimate six six going down the sidelines. So. That, that looked legit. That's Twenty pounds of equipment on too. Like back in the day, shit don't weigh the same nowadays. Shit's a lot lighter nowadays, and that was with some equipment. On that. How, how was it playing in the Orange Bowl? Again, I, I went to my first Orange Bowl game in 1991. Uh, Miami, you know, Houston Cougars were coming in with David Klingler. They thought they were they just thought they were going to come in, and, and Miami just wiped their ass, right? Mm. Like so, I my first experience of, of a home game was 1991, and then I just been going ever since. What's it like playing in the OB? I'll, tell, I'll put it this way: I, I almost shed a tear every time I think about it. I really do. Like I. I know the hard rock is awesome and, and I'm not one of them fans 
or former players that bitches about, you know, we need our own stadium and all that stuff. It, I almost find it sad. Um, it, it, it's a depressing situation to see our graveyard replaced by a ballpark number one from a team that hasn't really contributed much, to be honest with you. And then to turn around and actually play a football game in the same location and lose to a neighboring university. Like mm. I know, I know, I don't want to bring up any kind of bad memories, but it happened. Just you know, again, it's it, it happened. I've never been more disgusted with the University of Miami football program until after that football game. And it got to the point where, because at that point in time, I was covering college football and television too. So I was doing like, you know, I was doing Saturday games for the Conference USA. And and I actually turned down doing that game because there's no way in hell I would have been able to like normally broadcast that football game and, and do it without bias. Um, part of me really, really wanted Butch Davis and, and Andrew Swayze and Pete Garcia and all of these other names that used to be affiliated with the University of Miami, I wanted them to kill the University of Miami because I wanted the same thing to happen from Al Golden's situation with the Clemson to make people wake the F up at the University of Miami and realize that, like, I know the walls are high over there right now, but the shit is wrong over there. And, and something needs to change. And if it takes Florida International University and Butch Davis coming in with the chip on his shoulder that he wasn't hired to do the job, to come in there and just wipe the ass of the University of Miami Hurricanes, his alma mater, then so be it. Like, yeah. so freaking be it on the old former stomping grounds that we used to play on and thrive on. So be it. I'm willing to go ahead and take that loss on the chin because I know it's going to create change. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, it took an Ohio State Buckeye former quarterback to create change at the University of Miami by calling up the school on national television. You know what I mean? It, it I'm willing, whatever causes the change, I'm willing to go ahead and, and just swallow it, absorb but, it. But, Brett, let me ask you this. If Miami ends up that fourth and 14 and Miami beats Florida State, there's no change. They're on a seven-game win streak. I don't think there's a change being made. You know what? There's so much poison, or there was. Oh, yeah, yeah. In that locker room. Like, fans don't. And it's one thing, like, players should never, you know, divulge what's going on. And they do, because, again, pe people shoot them DMs and they just spill the beans. Like, yeah. Yeah, you got to keep that in-house. Nowadays with the social media, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, very, it's very easy to, to let something creep out. But you can just tell the way that those guys were getting monitored or policed by their, their head coach. Like, it, they were doing some shit over there that, that you really give your head a shake on. Like, what, what are you thinking as, as a coaching staff? And it wasn't the assistants. No. Let me let me clarify that. It, it starts at the head. It starts at top. It, it was a lot to do with that, like who creates an hour of social media laying around a hotel room salon the night before a game because you're supposed to have team camaraderie apparently. Yeah. But it was seventy guys laying around on the floor on their backpacks on social media communicating and making sure like, the hoes know what's going on. Who likes me doing this? This is my new game. This is my come up. I got this new car. Like that was the hour of team camaraderie that it was supposed to happen at the hotel, the team hotel the night before games. And like my, to the point where the assistant coaches were calling me and telling me what was going on to be like, I can't believe this. Like this, I cannot believe what is going on right now. Let me ask you this. Right. So, and, and I agree 100% with what you're saying, because 
after Thanksgiving, Maria and I were like, what are we doing after Thanksgiving? She's like, I don't know. I'm like, let's make a road trip to Duke. So literally we left <laughs> Thanksgiving was on a Thursday, 1 a.m. on Friday morning. We got in the car and we drove all the way to Durham, North Carolina. Right. I stayed at the team hotel. They all came in about 6.30, about 5.30. They got in, blah, blah, blah. Well, have you ever been to the team hotel in Durham? There's a big mall directly across the street. Yeah. So we're sitting there. Next thing you know, player after player, they all were hanging out at the mall all night. Yeah. I'm like, when is when did that start happening? Because yeah. I would have thought we have team meetings. We got dinner. We have this. No, no. And, and you're walking around. You have a game the next day. And your whole team, you don't know what's going on in the mall. But your whole team's at the mall. I don't, I don't understand that. I'll put it this way. The shit that went down when we were playing, yeah, we got live and we got crazy when we were out, but it was only when we were off. There wasn't any stuff going on during the week when we had to work. There definitely wasn't anything going on the night before a game. Like missing curfew? What? Are you? Butch Davis would literally castrate you and then castrate your coach shortly thereafter. So there was no forgiveness. And then on top of that, if you cost the team any kind of penalty or an ash chewing session or any kind of extracurriculars with Swayze running in the morning, you're done. Like there was no Tate Martell getting invited back to the team after four times of, you know, <laughs> going to hang out with his girlfriend, Kiki Paso, whatever the hell her. Well, tell me how you really feel. <laughs> I talked to some dudes that she was trying to get after a couple times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, and then Tate Martell goes ahead and falls in love, and uh, and then basically aborts his team. Yeah, four times, four times in one year. I, I get to the point where I'm calling, and Corey's out of here. But I would call Corey Gaynor and be like, "Tear his head off the minute that he walks in the locker room." There's no other ifs, ands, or buts about it. You got to rip him apart. And he goes, we haven't seen him, and we're not allowed to touch him. And, and, and that's a problem, right? You haven't, problem. you haven't seen him. Yeah, we haven't seen him. We don't know where he's at. And um, and, and we've already been told, like, you know, lay off of him. Why? Because he's fucking sensitive? Like, this is this is the stuff that was going on in the last few years at that school, at that football program, that people don't know. It was just a coddling, back-rubbing situation of continuously getting another chance and another chance and another chance or the entitlement the entitlement not only was in society the entitlement was in that freaking locker room like yeah. it, it it's it's sad it really destroyed years of that program's progress so let me ask you this diaz is gone blade james is gone somehow we get i don't want to call him the messiah but you bring mario back yeah. you, you bring you bring you bring somebody who wore that helmet, who yeah. knows what it takes to win, because again, you know, 89, 91, probably should have had another one in 92 if Lamar Thomas doesn't get stripped by George Teague, but that's another story. But you bring Mario back. So let me ask you, Brett, just are you buying or selling on Mario? Brother, not only am I buying, <laughs> but I'm investing. Um, I'm, I'm laying down foundation. Yeah. Um, offering my shirt off of my back. Yeah, this was, um, and, and, and let me, I've, I've always like rooted for Mario to come back. Yeah. I know at the end of the day, Mario was my GA, right? Back in the yep. day. Mm -hmm. And I've always rooted for him to come back. Even when he came back here for his 20 minute stint before he went to Alabama to go work for Nick Saban. Um, I always felt like I want him back, but is it time? Like, is yeah. it time yet? You know, and I kind of made the reference to, you know, Moses bringing his people out into the desert. You know what I mean? And watching yeah. 
struggle for so many years, so many years. And then all of a sudden, man, he just parts the seas and then these people just save. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not like you. I'm not trying to say that Mario Cristobal is the Messiah for the University yeah. of Miami football program. But when you mix in school, when you mix in community, when you mix in financials, when you mix in former players, when you mix in the ideology, and then hell, if you want to put a little salt and pepper on the top with Alonzo Highsmith coming back, like that along with the incredible, you know, Superman staff that he put together, like it's literally like a Marvel movie right now with what they got going on over there. There's no other excuse other than players. Yeah, nothing. You cannot point your finger at anything else other than the talent that is on that football field. But here's the thing. They had some talent before, too. It was the development was the issue, right? That was the whole thing. We're not developing talent. Young players are going to the NFL and they're thriving after a couple of years of tutelage from NFL coaches. Well, I watched Mario Cristobal rip a kid off the ground and tell him that if I ever catch you laying on my sacred ground football practice field one more time, I'll kill you. You're done. Like, Mario Cristobal is not playing games. Mario Cristobal has, like, the the crazy switch. He's, he might be cool and nice in front of the media. You know what I mean? But Mario, don't get it twisted. Mario Cristobal might be on the side of that causeway chewing on bath salts in somebody else's face. Like, he is a lunatic, man. So can I tell you a quick story, though? Mm-hmm. Obviously, I go down that area quite a bit, and a couple, few months ago when he had first got hired, um, it was kind of right around the recruiting area, and I had just happened to stop by, I took Grace, and I'm like, oh, let's just walk around the Schwartz Center and around the heck and stuff like that, and I happened to see him. I saw T-Rob and DVD, and, um, but Mario was with Shamar Stewart at the time, and so DVD, and I'm like, hey, did you see Coach? I said, listen, he was busy. I didn't want to bother him, blah, blah, blah. Finally, he was done. He came over, he introduced himself to me. And I'm like, yeah, I know how you are, coach, you know, blah, blah, blah. I said, I met you when you came through the Schwartz Center for, I said, 30 minutes. <laughs> I said, you walked through the Schwartz Center for 30 minutes, then you left him with Alabama. And then he's like, you know, how long have you been part of the program? I said, and I told him my first game was 1991 against Houston. And you talking about somebody who literally flipped a switch. We kicked her at, like, literally, he went into straight beast mode. Yeah, he's a and I, <laughs> but he's it was nuts. great. <laughs> Like, like people, there's a reason why Mario does not want to touch alcohol or be anywhere around it because <laughs> if, if he ever indulges, it, like one, it's like one drop and he just goes berserk. Like M- Mario is not the guy to play with. For instance, you want an example? Micron PC Bowl game, 19, what was that? It was my freshman year. So it was like 1999. Yeah, yeah, Util 1999. Green. <laughs> yeah, against uh, NC against, uh, State. NC State. I know and, it all. I ended up starting at left tackle, right? So Mario was working with me to like teach me left tackle because Rob Hall got hurt or something along those lines. And um, and this is what Mario Cristobal did like some of the nights during the bowl game is he would go out and he actually had an assailant that was committing an armed robbery in Fort Lauderdale at a, at a gas station, at a convenience store. And he chased the guy down, took his firearm from him, and started practicing hoist crazy Brazilian jiu-jitsu moves <laughs> in somebody's backyard trying to snap <laughs> legs before the police showed up. And obviously people know who Mario's brother is. Mario's brother is like a big head honcho. I think he's like the head of homicide for Miami Dade Police and uh, former University of Miami Hurricane as well. Um, but but Mario was like seeking satisfaction and like, you know, finding ways to either dislocate or snap that perpetrator's limbs. And and this went on for a half an hour until the police went in, when came wow. in. So, like, like, 
I told the I told these kids like I, I looked at Mallory, I looked at PVD, I looked at all the offensive linemen like like Scape and those clowns, and I was like, you guys don't know what you got that holds that whistle every day. Like, that guy will literally sweep your leg in a minute. He's like body bag, Johnny. Like that's that. Sweep the leg. <laughs> he, he, he's, no, he's no mercy, man. Like Mario is. Don't get him going because he'll he'll just. He'll obliterate you. He really will. People don't understand that. He's super nice and cool. You know what I mean? Thanks for my $80 million. But, brother, he will chew you right out of a bag. He's a so that's what we need to do. We need to make a shirt with Cobra Kai would have Mario's face on it. He's a monster. Mario is a freaking monster. And he, and he oh. literally, when he gets in that atmosphere, like that, that, I don't know. You saw the intensity when you watch yeah, yeah. stuff. Like yeah, yeah. He's, he's just—he's a different human being. Yes, he'll wear your, you know, your suit and tie, and he'll be your your banquet guy that's going to wave hands and shake shake hands and kiss babies. But uh, but he he is literally, you know, five seconds removed from putting on his own helmet and shoulder pads and trying to show you exactly how you're supposed to do something. Like yeah. that's that's incredible. It's really yeah. incredible. Well, before we get to the Hall of Fame, because I do want to bring up the fishing tournament, and I know you're the you know you're in charge of all that. I do got to ask you though, who's your favorite player that you played with, mm-hmm. and who do you think is the greatest Hurricane of all time? Wow. Um, you know what? To be perfectly honest with you, and this is something that I wish I I wish I could have done is played with Casey Jones. Like, obviously. And people always give me credit for being a good center, but God, if if, if I could distribute Casey Jones highlight video to these people that that put me in the Remington trophy, you know, voting categories, Casey Jones was tearing people apart at like 265 pounds, 200. And he wasn't practicing during the week because he couldn't, because he had no cartilage in his knees. Like, People don't understand how difficult that is and how flexible he was. Like on the sidelines, he was doing the splits before the games. He was ripping out pictures from media guides and eating them on the toilet of the people that he was playing. (laughs) He was making all the dudes as they left the locker room kiss a dead frog that he found on Astro Trip that he wore around his neck. He would stop 75 black dudes from playing hip hop in the locker room and he would put on Danzig and freaking Tool, like crazy white boy music, and say, listen to this. He ripped Ray Lewis's face mask off of his helmet, and Ray stood there like football football, and he just chucked it down the field, and Ray had nothing to say, because Casey will eat your goddamn heart. There, there's a dip, there's a different level of sanity with that guy. Like there really is. Um, I wish I could have played with him. I like that's one of the guys that I wish I could have played with. To be honest with you, um, my favorite hurricane of all time. Um, to be, you know what? I'd probably give it to my roommate. To be honest with you, like Ken Dorsey. Like I don't think there's a guy that did it better, classier, cleaner. Um, unselfishly, yeah. Uh, he, I put his ESPN, the cover of ESPN poster, up in our in our in our house. We had a, a townhouse together, and then we moved into another house. But I put that thing up on the wall, and he wanted me to take it down because he didn't want to walk in the house and look at it. The perfect storm one. 
the one where he like looked like ceramic-y and they like you know highlighted his eyes and he like a blue background. Um, he was just he was just a very he's, he's no, a I, got, I, I knew it he has it I knew <laughs> this he, one, he has that it. one. <laughs> Oh no no no! There's another one. There's another one. No, but this is like I got like all kinds of. This is my like little coffee table. I I think the one that Brett's referring to it's an ESPN magazine, if I remember correctly. Oh, that's right, the ESPN one. Yes. 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 It it was. It was one of those things where I was like, "Damn it, man!" And then my room. I was like, "Man, my roommate's like a badass." I was like, (laughs) "It was no bullshit." It was. It was probably like a a six foot by eight foot. It was like a rug almost uh, that ESPN sent. And I was like, you know, F that, brother. I'm putting that thing up on the wall, man. This is this is my roomie dog, man. I'm so happy and I'm proud for you. You know what I mean? And I get to keep your shirt clean for a couple of years. That's pretty cool. And I put it up and he came in the house and he was like, man, he's like, man, can you, can you take that down? And I was like, uh, what? And he goes, can you, I don't, I just don't want to come in here and look at that every day. And I'm just like, brother, I'll put it up in my room. If you want, I'll tear down all the nudie posters that I got in my room. <laughs> So I was like, I was like, man, we're keeping it up, dude. I'm sorry. Oh, that's you're great. A candidate two years in a row. We're keeping that damn thing up on the wall. You know what I mean? So um I, I really and still to this day, we text back and forth. Um we keep in contact all the time. He's supposed to come down and bring the girls in. You know, he's got girls just like me and uh me, him and his wife, we all used to live together in a house, you know, and and, and we all grew up together, you know? So I, I think that aside from my offensive line buddies, and I was just at Joaquin's house the other night too, watching the heat game and, you know, Joaquin, I love the death too, Bibla and Shirk and, and, uh, and McKinney and those boys. Uh, Shock is obviously, <laughs> Shock, he's his own animal. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think Ken Dorsey might be uh, one of the guys that if, if you, if you had a daughter, if you had a son, you'd want them both to live the way that he lived. I guess you can say, you know, it's one thing to say that you want your son to live the way if some other guy lived, or if you have a daughter, you wish your daughter can live a certain way. But Ken Dorsey is just a good moral compass human being that that wants nothing but the best for him and everybody else around him. Uh, so I, I think that that you know, not the not the toot his horn or anything, but but Kenny's probably my guy to be honest with you, the guy that used to pickle my balls, you know, seventy five times a day. I'm gonna go ahead. Oh. And do- and think about it, right? Everything comes to fruition. Like, look what he did, you know, at Carolina, went to Buffalo. Now yeah. he's got a good gig in there. You know, and again, I'm from Rochester, New York, right? So I'm 30 minutes out of Buffalo. So oh, I keep, t- like, listen, I need to fly to Buffalo. I don't care where I go. I'm wearing orange and green. Like, I'm going to oh, represent. Yeah. I'll be, yeah, like, Greg yeah. Rousseau, whoever's up there. Yo, Kenny, get out the box. Come down low. Come say oh, what's absolutely. up. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. That's a must. That's an absolute must, man. So, so right. let, let's switch gears a little bit. And, again, I, listen, I know we could talk about, you know, football all the time. Um, but there's a big event coming, you know, next month in June, obviously at the hall of fame, um, the big fishing tournament, obviously, yeah. um, talk to me a little bit about that and tell me what, what, you know, cause I have some friends who just actually text me today and say, Hey, I just got a boat. What's going on with this hall of fame thing. I'm like, well, I'm going to have Brett Romberg on and let me get yeah. some info for you. So talk to me a little bit about the hall of fame fishing tournament. So this is something, you know, again, to mention Casey Jones's name, this is something that Casey Jones got involved with, right? Back in the day when he became the president of the Hall of Fame. And he really turned this thing inside out. It was it was the largest fishing tournament in the Florida Keys. Uh, they hosted it out of Isla Morada and Tavernier area. And it ended up being almost 100 boats for a few years running. And, 93. Uh, 93 boats, by the first year. Yeah, it was, it was incredible. It was epic. It was fun as hell. You had guys like Ray Lewis, Michael Irvin, Warren Sapp, all these different names, Randall Hill, 
uh, legends. You know, I mean, legends of the University of Miami hosting and celebrity co-hosting uh, this fishing tournament that that was just amazing. It, it actually put together a lot of money for Habitat for Humanity. It did a lot of stuff for the Keys. It did a lot of stuff for foundations up here. It did a lot of stuff for kids, man. There was like a lot of like fishing stuff, getting kids that put rods in their hand and, and go out and learn how to fish. So it was, well, not only was it a learning experience for a lot of people, but it was like something really good for both the Keys community and for the University of Miami community. Obviously, we're blessed for living in an area where we have the opportunity to get out on the water. Um, we're kind of known for that here. And and after the hurricane came, it kind of took a couple year hiatus, right? There was a bunch of things that ended up going on in the Keys. We weren't allowed to go back down there because of the situation and people were still devastated. And then a couple years later, Casey ended up uh, resigning ultimately or getting out of the Hall of Fame. And then um, they asked me, uh, I don't know if it's because of our center connection or whatever it was, but to help get back involved because I started taking on the the fishing community and the boating industry and all that other stuff that I was like super high on here. And uh, I said, hell yeah, let's do it. So we brought it back up to Miami and we we had it up here at the at Monty's on Miami Beach. I had a pretty successful tournament following up and uh, and then obviously COVID hit. So, you know, another kick in the jump there. And uh, this is our first year of having the ability to get our community back together. You know, it's the same kind of hoorah speech that all these other, you know, I guess you can say corporations are giving about finding their way to get back together and get together as a community, but there really is no other community like the University of Miami fan base, the University of Miami coaches, players, former players, current you know fans, whatever it is, guys in the NFL, current players even. This is the first time because of the NIL stuff. Guys, we're going to have like Mallory there. We're going to have TVD there. We're going to have a bunch of the O-linemen there. So this is something that's like, for the first time ever, you're going to be able to incorporate the current players and be able to high five the current players, fish with them, hang out with them, um, along with the formers, you know, and then Mario Cristobal, luckily for us, you know, Mario said he's going to figure it out and make it happen. He's our special guest. So Mario will be there. Now, there's a big party on the 16th, the captain's party, where you're getting buckets, you know, you sign your boat up, you, you throw a little bit of money in the pot to maybe win some raffle stuff. There's going to be a bunch of auction items. There's going to be some artists there that are going to be doing some live stuff. Um, some vendors that are going to be doing some stuff, great food. I know my buddies at Sergio's are going to be providing the food and a new thing called, uh, what the F is, uh, WTF basically is, uh, <laughs> is their kind of spin on uh, welcome to Florida. So there's okay. a whole new social media gambit going on with like, you know, the Miami boys and welcome to Florida and like that whole kind of thing that's going on right now on social media down here. So Thursday night is going to be a banging party on, on the 16th. That's going to be right there at the hall of fame in that big, basketball gym the volleyball gym whatever right next door to it so we'll have a bunch of stuff going on there and then uh we have a nice little layover on friday because people usually this is how great the thursday night event is is people get a little dinged up <laughs> for us we know somebody in the booze business uh, shout out to mark That's but, right. but yeah it should be an amazing an amazing time uh, on thursday night which it always is those captain meetings are phenomenal and uh and then you know a little layover on the friday and then Saturday morning, get your ass up, get on the boat, and go out there and catch some fish. There's going to be it's – it's primarily a dolphin tournament, but we got, like, kingfish, dolphin, some tuna, uh, stuff like that that are going to be involved in some some prize winning. Uh, ultimately, the three heaviest dolphin are going to be taking the crown. But, uh, but yeah, there's a lot of side bets that go on and really cool stuff. We're going to have some live music. Um, the dock party itself, the dock party itself on the Saturday after uh, the weigh-in and all that other stuff is going to be at the, the same Bay Yacht Club. So the BBYC on Saturday night on the 18th. And you guys can go ahead and if you want to sign up, you want to buy like social tickets and just show up for the party, 
you can do that too. There's a bunch of stuff over there. There's like a kid park that you can go ahead and play. There's, there's stuff for the kids. There's stuff for the adults. Again, plenty of booze. I don't know if, that, if I said that or not. <laughs> But that's normally what, uh, what I go to these things for. But but yeah, then like tons of like auction items, raffle tickets, and all kinds of crazy stuff. Like former players, like out the yin yang. I think right now we already have like twenty five former uh, University of Miami guys, a lot of Hall of Famers, a lot of like accolade award winning former football players, and and baseball players as well, and Hall of Fame members and stuff. So it's usually it's usually a kick ass event. It really helps the University of Miami, and a lot of people don't realize this as well. The Hall of Fame is not part of the University of Miami. This is a 5013C. It's it's a nonprofit that needs everybody's help to try to obviously create and and, and keep the ghosts of the past going. Um, if you haven't been there yet, it's right there on campus, right next to the facility, uh, right next to the, the Hex Center. Um, take a tour, man. Take a peek of, of, of some of what has ultimately built brick and mortar, the University of Miami from some of the greatest epic athletes you've ever seen. Hell, half the time when I go through there and I see some of the guys stuff there, I'm just like, I didn't even know that this guy went to the University of Miami. To be honest, <laughs> like, like Jim Otto, like another, you want to mention centers? I don't know, I'm sorry, I got a hard on. <laughs> like, I'm walking through, I'm like, Jim Otto went to the University of Miami? Like, you know, it's like, holy, that guy's like a Hall of Famer, NFL Hall of Famer. Correct. Oakland, Ra- Oakland Raiders. What, like, like, the list goes on and on, man. You got, you got like, almost like a, a Ray... Shrine over there, Ray Lewis Shrine, Sappy, obviously, Ted Hendricks, you name it, man. All the guys from the U, Vilma, DJ Williams, Antro Roll, all of the, the Pro Bowls that there was like six canes standing next to each other at the Pro Bowls, you know, throwing up the U. So there's a lot of really cool stuff in the Hall of Fame that, that people probably just aren't even aware of, to be honest. Right. With they really need to get on over there and take a peek at it. And hell, join us for the fishing tournament because it's going to be badass, I promise you. Do we have a do we have a cost? What's the cost for a registration for for the fishing tournament? Uh, what is a boat, Vic? Seven hundred bucks or something like that. Correct. And you can have as many people on your boat as, as possible. No, I think it's, I think it's uh, <laughs> captain and four anglers is what so I'm five gonna, roughly yeah. five people. And then if you want to add more people, I think it's like a hundred bucks a uh, per per, per, an, per angler afterwards. Correct. Per angler. Yeah. Okay. Uh, which which to be perfectly honest with you, go in any tournament nowadays, it's a lot more than that. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? So. Uh, it's it's a fun day out in the water. Plus, that obviously gives you your tickets into the, the the party and the event after, and then you get your bucket. You get a bunch of really cool stuff in the bucket, you know, shirts and hats and, and visors and 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 like little knickknacks and lures and line and all kinds of crazy cool things that uh, that uh, a lot of our sponsors put together for us. So, and a lot of the, a lot of the the workers that don't get any recognition uh, as well at the Hall of Fame too. So. I, I obviously, like I said, I had a couple of people text me. They just had got a boat and they're like, Hey man, you know, cause I tweeted it out, you know, Hey, look, look let's kind of back this, let's get it going. You know, let's get some, 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 some fuel fired, you know, going forward. And so they're like, Hey, look, I'm down. Just let me know the info. So this way I can pass that along. I could tweet it out, social media, that type of thing. Well, um, here's, here's the best part about it, man. It's like, people don't realize this either. You spent a lot of goddamn money on your boat, especially if you bought <laughs> And gas, I know it's through the roof, but here's the best part about it. It's a, it, it, I, I'm not going to tell you that I'm your accountant, but it's a 5013C. Correct. You know what I mean? It, this will be a write-off. Like Correct. you're going to, you're going to enjoy your goddamn weekend. No, <laughs> yeah, you can also wipe this thing off while contributing to a great cause. Like right. again, 5013C, ladies and gentlemen, check That's your right. account if you don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Well, and again, that's what we hear on Slam Radio. It's a 5013C. Obviously, this is a student-run, 
you know, uh, radio station here on Sirius XM. So I, we, I know all about the 5013C. You know, that's why we can't really have sponsors on our show and things like sure. that. Because, again, we're not here for monetary. We're here to – I'm only here because I have a passion for the University of Miami. Again, I've been doing this a long time. I got stupid tattoos that have a U on it. Like, you name me, I'm here, that's bro. That's another thing, Derek. I'm, <laughs> I'm due. I'm long overdue for some tats, man. I, I got to get me some tattoos, oh, bro. God. Yeah, that's where I got to go. Man, Do listen, I, I got – I got like, Brad, I got, like, Kang Gang sitting right across my arm. I got, like – I put on for my city right here. Well, you, got, you got color, too. Yeah, you didn't go I got, back to I got Sebastian right here. <laughs> Do I I tell the story, Derek? It it all depends on which one it is, because if it's good, that's fine. If it's bad, don't tell it. it, it, It's a a good one. Brett will appreciate it, basically, because I think he might have been there that year, basically. So, I mean, again, Hall of Fame banquets, as Brett's been part of them, basically, for a couple years already, basically. Very formal event. It's our premier event of the year, basically. So, Jeremy Shockey, who is probably one of the craziest white men I have ever met in this entire world, basically, Mm -hmm. okay? I mean, again, him and this lunatic, basically, okay, Derek Ho, are there. They're in the, the, the cocktail hour. They're comparing tattoos. Everyone's there, like, cocktail dresses and suits. Because well, like, I have, like, this huge American sleeve oh, on yeah, my yeah. arm. Pretty similar, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, so, me and, like, I'm in a long sleeve shirt. Shockey's in a long uh, – we start taking them off, and we're showing <laughs> tattoos. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Tell you, bro, you, you can take the white boy out the trash hood neighborhood. Bro. You, you <laughs> can't take the trash hood. Well, and if you, you notice, even at the last banquet, like if somehow we're always in the back. Like I don't know how Vic gets us all the way in the back. Like we're never near like the stage. You know, there's probably a good reason that's for that. Because, but... I, that's because I want access to the outtail because we're the table most likely to need bail by the end of the evening, basically. 100%. Well, 100%. we're probably the only ones there on, on, under under forty, give or take two. So I mean, yeah. it's. Like, it's easier, plus it's easier to get the wheelchairs there to go ahead and wheel you guys out. After oh, yeah, you know I mean? <laughs> we have a great time. Yeah, so, listen, looking forward to the tournament because I think that's going to be, you know, phenomenal. Like you said, uh, Thursday the 16th is a captain's party, you know, kind of a, a slow drag on Friday, kind of recouping from Thursday night. Saturday is, you, you know, uh, what time is the boat? What time boats out on Saturday? Usually, you know, rides in the water at 7 or 7.30. 7, yeah, that's okay. how it goes. Yep. Um, and you know, I don't think there's going to be, like, any kind of shotgun starting point either. So it, it gives everybody the liberty of, hell, if you want to start in the Florida Keys, you can start in the Florida Keys. Um, the parameters are pretty simple, too. You know, no Bahamian waters. You go all the way up to Lauderdale and then uh, stay around locally here if you want or even do the Keys if you really want to. So As long as you get to weigh-in at a certain time. It doesn't yeah, matter. it's the weigh-in. Yeah, you got to get to the weigh-in. That's the only thing. Um and I know, I know there's like some serious, serious tournaments out there. Like I know JJ's tournament down in the Keys is, is pretty epic as well. But um, there's some really good prize money, to be perfectly honest with you. Like this, yeah. this is a tournament to sleep on. I, I know my buddies that went home with like, you know, four or five Gs last year. So um, you, you can definitely come out smelling like a rose at the end of the tournament. Well, to me as a fan, right, and, and if there's other fans that are listening, and I'm sure they are, like it's, to me, it's not even about the fishing. It's about the experience. It's about, again, the meet and greet. Like to me – if you're a true hurricane fan and you get an opportunity to, to, to chop it up with, with legends, you know, that played at the university of Miami hall of famers in the NFL, like, listen, that's chump change. And like you said, as a 501 C, you write that off. Yeah. Like that's just charity money. Right. But you yeah. get, like you said, this is your first year that you get to interact quote unquote with current student athletes. Why not go out there and try to represent and support? Absolutely, man. That, that's one of the things that, and, and it's not like, and again, in the past, guys were at arm's length, you know what I mean? Like there was always that wall of separation, regardless if the head coaches would say, oh no, we're super accessible. 
players really aren't that accessible. You know what I mean? And, and it and it's almost seems like kind of awkward to the point where, you know, people want to come up and, and, uh, and uh, almost hold you to a certain kind of stature, right? Yeah. This is a really good opportunity for like players are going to be on boats. Like this isn't like, Hey, you get to meet one guy, you know, shake his hand over a cocktail or like take a picture with him when you walk into the room. Like we're throwing people on boats. Like that's the thing. You get to fish all day long with one of these dudes. You know what I mean? Be, be careful what you wish for, though. Like some of these yeah. guys are a little bit cuckoo. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> be careful what you wish for. But uh, but yeah, man, it, it, it's it's a fun. And again, it's all for the great cause of the Miami Hall of Fame. So it, it's going to keep everybody's ghost living. You know what I mean? If, if, if that makes a lot of sense to anybody, it, facts. Yeah, it's the reason for us to continue to put clips together, you know, remind people, or even, this is one thing that, so, sorry to go on a tangent, but my left tackle with the Atlanta Falcons uh, was a guy by the name of uh, uh, Baker, Sammy. Sam Baker came from USC. His dad is Dave Baker. He's the one that goes and knocks on the guy's doors for the NFL Hall of Fame all the time. Dave Baker is a humongous human being. He's like six foot eight, six foot nine, 450, 500 pounds, and he's just a humongous man. And he sat down and he told me, and he said, Brett, I want the NFL Hall of Fame to be something that men, referees, women, children are honored to walk into because they can go ahead and see the name of their uncle or their cousin or their father or their grandfather, for that matter, put in stone or set for life. You know, there, there's there's a certain set of respect because at the end of the day, there's only a certain amount of players that played for the University of Miami. There's only a certain amount of players that have been inducted into the University of Miami Hall of Fame. It's a very special honor. And I, and I and we want to, I want to make sure that the current players, some of the former players that are going to be possibly inducted, understand that this is something really, really special. This is something that your name goes down in history of one of the only people to ever be able to achieve this. Whether you're a football player, a basketball player, a baseball player, a golfer, a volleyball player, a soccer player, like this is a special honor. It's not like, hey, I don't know if I can make it anymore. This is something that I want to separate and make sure that people understand the severity of this award. Like this is something that you bring your kids, your family, this is something you've worked since you were a five-year-old for. So why not celebrate this? Why not have everybody who's ever helped you get to where you are today to go ahead and take part in this accomplishment? It's not something that happens all the time and every day to a lot of people. So uh, I really want to put the Hall of Fame up on a pedestal, you know, yeah. to the point where it, it's, 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 it's one of the biggest and greatest honors to, to achieve that type of induction. So um that's my you know two cents in my 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 sorrow speech of, about no, that. i love it but, uh, <clears throat> i love it i really want to change that 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 feeling and that direction to be honest with you. well i appreciate it so brett i want to have you hold on for a minute um all right you guys listen to Kang gang radio show on here on sirius xm channel 145 slam radio um i hope you guys enjoyed the show tonight we will be back next week and uh we'll have another guest and we'll move forward again uh we're looking at June 16th through the 18th for the fishing tournament. Um, hope you guys join out. If you have any info, just kind of contact me or look on social media and we'll go from there. Uh, hope you guys have a good night. Enjoy yourself and we'll talk to you guys next week.
The views and opinions expressed on Kane Gang are entirely those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.